Hello, this is Don Witt with the Channel Daily News from Telecom Reseller. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Colin Constable and Kevin Nichols. They are both co-founders of the At Sign Company. And how are you both doing today? Great, yeah. Don. Great to see you. Looking forward to our, our conversation. And before we get started in, in some of the details, maybe you could give us an overview of the At Sign Company. Few years back, um, Colin and I had this idea over a cup of coffee. Decided that what we really should do is go out and create a new internet protocol because the world really needs an, another internet protocol. They actually, it's actually a true statement, but it sounds funny. Um, and so we uh, either foolishly or you know, with, with, with divine intervention, we um, ended up creating a new internet protocol. And the internet protocol is designed to allow a, a a secure communication between two endpoints, and and the endpoints, in our case, are in um, in a new address or new namespace, and we call those at signs. So you can basically send commu secure communication between two at signs, and at signs could be real or virtual. So an at sign could be used for anything. So it could be used for a person. It could be used for an IoT device. It could be used for a company. It could be used for a song. It could be used for anything. And then the uh, when you share information between one at sign and another at sign, then the information is uniquely encrypted between those two at signs. And so we started with that, and we created a platform and a bunch of infrastructure that will allow the delivery of that information between those two at signs. And they prove to each other that they are who they claim to be. And the um, and I mentioned the information itself is encrypted uniquely between those two at signs. So nobody else can get access to the information in the clear except for those two things. And that's basically what our what our company does. We provide that technology and are working with lots of people to develop solutions around that. And I'm sure I missed a bunch of stuff, Colin. So <laughs> I just just the simple stuff, I guess, what does an assign look like? So uh, this is one of the early aha moments was we knew it had something to do with identity on the internet, but uh, both Kevin and I had been burnt by identity on the internet. It's a very difficult topic. And uh, one of us, can't remember who it was, uh, I think it's Kevin, and Kevin thinks it's me, said, well, what's the simplest way to certain in uh, entity, uh, an identity on the internet? And the answer is just a simple string of characters. So... What does an at sign look like? It just looks like uh, the at symbol and then uh, a unique bunch of characters. So in my case, my at sign is at Colin. Uh, Kevin's is at Kevin. And if I know Kevin's at sign, then I can literally send any data I like to at Kevin, knowing uh, with confidence that only Kevin and myself will be able to see that data in the clear, which gives rise to all sorts of really interesting causal effects. And I think more than, more than anything else, it, it, it means that you can share data, know that it's got to the right place, and that data is going to be up to date and current, which means you'll get treated much better on the internet, which is really, you know, as an internet optimist, uh, I really want to use the internet more and more, but I want to be confident that uh, I can I can share data, take data back, and be treated with respect by uh, other players on the internet. So that's really our mission to just make the uh, make the internet a much nicer place. So in today's world, or yesterday's world, put it that way, is the um, 
the rule was that you you would give your information to some fill out a form or or um, uh, or they come and get your location information and do whatever they want to with it without your permission. But your data is going into some server somewhere that they own, they control, or they, they think they own, claim they own. They control, they do whatever they want to with it. They sell it, they use it, and all that kind of stuff. We're, we wanted to flip that. We wanted it to be where I own, I control access to that information. And the uh, and therefore, this, as Colin said, there's only one copy. So it means that I can share the same information. So if anything about me changes, my, my uh, mailing address or my phone number, or my email that I want to use changes. All, any of those things will be immediately um, addressable or, or discoverable for the people that I choose to share it with. And therefore, um, everybody's got the current data. They've got their all, and I only have to change it once. I don't have to go out to, to in, in my case, when I moved home, over 500 different places and update information about me for them. Uh, now I just do it once and, and then information gets to where it needs to get to. But it's all under my control, which is beautiful. So it's not only the protocol, it's it's the data ownership, which is also involved. That's outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Now, security in the IoT area is one of the biggest holes that, that exists in the internet. And I understand that you're being, uh, you're actually reaching out and, and getting a lot of traction in the IoT area. Maybe you could explain some of that for us. IoT has been difficult for uh, ever since that anybody came up with it. So originally it was machine to machine. Now it's IoT. But essentially it's devices that are either uh, sensing data or actuating on the, on the response of getting some data. And unfortunately, what the only tools we've got at the moment are tools that are more expensive than the sensor itself. So you end up with you know, weird situations where you have a sensor, maybe, uh, maybe it's on a bridge or maybe it's on a road or maybe it's inside your car, where the sensor is really inexpensive for the machinery to get that data back to you or somebody else, or maybe a combination of you and somebody else and somebody else is very, very expensive. And it's generally done in the network layer, sort of in the ones and zeros, uh, not in the data layer where it probably would make more sense. So because we are, are uh, uh, operating at the data layer, uh, we can you know, encrypt that data and send it on, on its way. And because we're encrypting the data, you don't need some of the tools that uh, you know, people are generally using today. So that's one less bit of infrastructure you have to buy. Because of the way the protocol works, it only makes outbound connections from the device itself, uh, which means there's no attack service. There's no network attack service on a device that's running a software. Um, so you don't need to have to go through the normal loops and hoops you have to go to um, providing sort of network security. Uh, which obviously lowers lowers the costs um, significantly, but also speeds up uh, deployment. So there's a, a double win here. Uh, we hear many, many times that somebody's got an IoT project and it's going to take them you know, nine months to 12 months to deploy the network. And uh, our question is, well, why don't you just use the public network? Oh, it's scary because there's all these bad actors. I'm like, well, it's only scary if you've got an attack service. And if you haven't got a attack service, then you can just use the internet as transport. It's all end-to-end -end encrypted, so you don't need to worry about that stuff. And you've got you've got no attack service. There's nothing to attack. 
then you can speed up things enormously. You know, so it's you know it's not unusual for uh, a deployment to go from you know, nine months to maybe a few few days and get a uh, get a proof of concept up, get some confidence, and then you know, go to large scale deployment. So that's that's why it's interesting to the IoT world. Did we design it to do all that stuff originally? No, we were actually thinking about mobile devices, but as it turns out, mobile devices are just IoT devices. If you think about your mobile phone, it's just a very powerful IoT device. And nobody's going to carry in a firewall and a VPN separate device when they're carrying on their phone. So it just was a was a happy surprise when we realized, oh, this is why these guys are pulling. This is why they're phoning us up and asking you about this stuff. So yeah, we were we were we were very lucky to uh, have a few people know, uh, notice this and point it out to us. Though. There's uh, a lot of applications out there with this, you know, like since the internet's been developed, there the all of the applications are constructed around they own the data, not we own the data. So I know you have an SDK and I think an API. What what does that mean for the programmers that are utilizing your technology when they program their applications? Yeah, so they you have to care a lot about the tool chain. One of one of the uh, decisions we made early um, was that we call it the light bulb test. We wanted it to be able to run anywhere. So the first part of the answer is uh, designing software and picking an environment or a framework that would allow us to cross compile and deploy onto any piece of hardware in the operating system. And so we um, we chose Dart as the language to start with, and we broadened out from there into Java, C++, MicroPython, and now even um, ROSC. So we're building out you know more and more tool chains. As Kevin said, we 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 had this test. We didn't know how we were going to do it, and then uh, actually a friend of mine said uh, you should look at Dart and Flutter, and it was a it was a it was a brave choice. And to be honest, we were just thinking that we'd just sort of do some demonstration code with that. But we've been riding the wave uh, ever since. Uh, so this is three and a half years now. We've been riding the wave at Dart and Flutter, and these days we actually. Um, we help lead the uh, Flutter community in uh, in Silicon Valley, so uh, it's been an ever tightening relationship with the the uh, developers there and the and the, the development community, which is uh, just huge at this point. So yeah, again, we got we got very lucky, uh, Don. But it's a great environment to uh, to work in, and uh, where we've proved things are working in Dart and Flutter, then it's much easier to port uh, that code and that functionality into other languages, which is as Kevin said, that's exactly what we're doing right now. So one more thing to, to in regard to your, your technology is that any of the programs that, that are actually developed utilizing your technology, the government has all sorts of rules and regulations and, and internationally as well. And all of those are automatically in compliance when they have their finished product utilizing your technology. Yeah, the, and the reason for that is, you, as uh, Kevin likes to say, you have to give a you know, explicit grant of a right. Uh, it, there's no sort of access control list, or there's no you know, and a system admin that can overwrite all those things. So there's no opportunity for any of that. Look at the source of the data, the you know, the the ad sign that's encrypting the data. Uh, the ad sign uh, under your control decides which ad sign can receive it. So it's encrypted. 
the data is encrypted just for that ad sign, which means if you're sending to you know, three ad signs, you're encrypting the data three times. So we have to make sure that we're really efficient on uh, the encryption algorithms and uh, you know, make sure they're strong and all the rest of it. So that's uh, that was close to our thoughts as well. So we, we, we handle that very efficiently. But it does mean that when you send data, you know for certain that it's actually going to go to the right place and there's no administrator uh, that can look over your shoulder and uh, try and figure out what you actually said or what data you're sending. There's there's just no ch opportunity for that because it's encrypted just for the recipient, uh, which leads us to sort of interesting, <laughs> an interesting note. We, uh, we can prove that we can't see your data. Um, no matter what we do in the future, we can't undo that. So, you know, if... Uh, we're in a really interesting situation where the the way we've set things up is that we just can't see people's data period so we have to figure out other ways uh, for people to uh you know make money now what that does allow though is if you're if you're so you you, you used to in the old internet you used to and make guesses and look for behaviors or and what should we say steal or borrow people's data there is a huge opportunity for you here to use our technology and convince and get the trust of your customers. So they actually share it explicitly. And weirdly, when they have that confidence, uh, they can switch it on or off. You uh, you tend to get interesting, much closer relationships with your customers. And they uh, may well trust you a little bit more to give you actually not only more current data, but actually more data because... You know, they hope they they hope they own the spigot to switch it on and off, uh, not you. So, yeah, counterintuitively, some of those large companies could uh, turn this to their advantage by having a much closer relationship to uh, their customer. We we've had those discussions with um, some very large uh, actually con, um, consumer goods uh, people that actually want to have a much closer relationship with their customers so they can prove their uh, your goods and services. But Kevin, I know you probably got some thoughts on this. I know this is really close to your heart in the past. It is. Uh, I just want to throw out one other dimension there, which is the, so as it turns out that um, encrypted data is like kryptonite to AI. I mean, everybody's worried about AI these days. So um, the one thing that AI can't do anything with is encrypted data. It just looks like noise. And so uh, one of the nice side effects is not only can we not see your data, but no AI can do anything with your data either, unless you wanted to. And then, and the um, so we're sort of advocating more and more things uh, moving to the edge. So on your phone or in your car, that it can do AI there locally with your data, but it doesn't. It can't leak out to somebody else to do something bad with it. So um, it's an interesting thing as a um, a way of isolating information or controlling what information AI has access to as well, which is just fascinating, I think. But that's um, that's a recent topic that we're spending a lot more time talking about as well. I understand that there's a something happening here in the next uh, couple of days. What what's going on with Republic? Yeah, so we um, um, so like everything else we do, um, we are a very people focused. I mean, we're, we call ourselves internet optimists, right? So we we think that the internet and even social media and and um, even AI and all those things can actually be good for people if um, if people actually have a way of exerting control over things. 
And so um, one of the things, that, so we're very human focused, very people focused company. And that kind of manifests in everything we do, including, I mean, we're, we're open source, we're an open protocol. We, we run the company in a really interesting way, which is very, um, they're called a flat organization. So we're um, really trying to elevate people in everything that we do. And so part of that is instead of just very special people being allowed to invest in startups, um, there's a new thing called crowdfunding that allows just average people to invest in a startup, which before they would not be legally allowed to do that. And now they can. And it's, it is a, or you have to feel sorry for our poor CEO, Barbara. It is a lot of work to be able to set up a, a program that allows people to invest in a startup company. It is like anything else. I mean, investing in a startup is very risky. Um, you have to, you should know what you're doing. You have to be very careful, do your homework. And there's um, always a risk of losing your money, but you do have the opportunity. Anybody can now invest in um, the outside company. Uh, well, as of tomorrow. So part and parcel of the way that we do things and we wanted to make that available to anybody. So um, that's what we're doing tomorrow. So it'll go go live tomorrow and we'll um, see how it goes. No idea how it's going to go, but we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Where can our listeners find out a little bit more about the at sign company? I think it's uh, republic.com slash at sign A-T-S-I-G-N and uh yeah, it goes goes live on the twenty second of uh, of February, twenty twenty three, and uh, all the details and everything will be up on that website. This is Don Witt with the Channel Daily News from Telecom Reseller, speaking with Colin Constable and Kevin Nichols, both co-founders of the AtSign Company, and. I want to thank you both for being with me today, and I hope your funding endeavors are very fruitful. Thank you, Don. Thank you.